0: Good morning. As we've been traveling with Mark through the Gospels, as he observed um, those events of what Jesus was, was doing as he walked the earth. And we have seen some pretty interesting things occur up to this point. Jesus healing those from physical and ailments, demons being casted out walking on water, feeding 5,000. We laughed yesterday we could have fed 5,000 people brownies (laughs) at Chappie's Memorial Service yesterday. Um, So we see miracles abound throughout the Gospel of Mark, but we also see that all those miracles point to Jesus and point to the greater kingdom. And so today, as we look at at the theme of Jesus heals, we're going to take a look at the longings that we have inside of ourselves, kind of those soul longings that we know that God put inside of us and that he is the one that fulfills them. So as we look into the passages for today, uh, I think you'll see some unique twists that we haven't seen up to this point in the way Jesus heals but also we're just going to go a little deeper because you wouldn't expect anything different from the counselor, right? Okay, so pray with me, please. Father, we come to you and we thank you and we praise you that you are the one that brings healing and sometimes, God, in ways that we don't expect or even in ways that we don't even know that we need. And so, Lord, I ask that you would just open our hearts and minds today to receive all that you have for us. Speak to our hearts today. Anoint the words that are spoken and heard. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're in Mark 7, starting in verse 24, found on page 819 in your pew Bible, or you can follow along on the screen. From there he set out and went away to the region of Tyre. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know he was there. We're speaking about Jesus now. And he was tired and he wanted rest. Yet he could not escape notice. I'm going to give commentary as we go just so you know. Of course he couldn't escape notice. I mean, we've been reading up to now what he's been doing. And so even now he's kind of moved into kind of the pagan world where the gentiles are where he hasn't done a lot of ministry um, to the gentiles yet but word has spread that jesus is is in the house but a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit immediately heard about him and she came and bowed down at his feet keep in mind that posture of humility now, the woman was a Gentile, a Syrophoenician in origin. She begged him to cast the demon out of her daughter. He said to her, let the children be fed first, for it is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. Hmm. I don't know about you all, but when I read that, I thought, why did I agree to preach on this? That was my first thought, because I thought, that's kind of mean, Jesus, is what I thought. Um, of course, as I delve into the text and into commentaries to have a better understanding of that, you know, it's really referring to the fact that the children are the people of Israel, the Jews. And Jesus had come for them. And even in, in the text, in Romans 1.16, it says, Jesus came first for the Jews, then the Gentiles. And so I find it interesting that this woman knows. She knows in her response what Jesus is talking about. Because in that day, the Gentiles were referred to as dogs. Not a real kind term, but that's, that's the reality of the time. But we see her answer. She answered him, Sir, or some texts say, Lord, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. She understood she had an understanding about who Jesus was, why he came, his purpose, and yet also knew somewhere that even if she could just have a crumb from what the children of God were eating, that that would be sufficient, that that would be enough that her daughter needed for healing. And I love the fact that she was bold enough and persistent enough to ask Jesus for what she needed. Then he said to her, for saying that, you may go. The demon has left your daughter. So she went home, found the child lying on the bed, and the demon gone. Then we go into this next account. Then he returned from the region of Tyre and went by way of Sidon toward the Sea of Galilee in the region of the Decapolis they brought to him a deaf man who had an impediment in his speech, and they begged him to lay his hand on him. Now, some of the texts say that when they brought him, that oftentimes it was common in those days to lay hands just for a sense of blessing. So at this point, we don't really know. Were they really looking for this man to hear again and to be able to speak plainly? Or were they just looking for this guy named Jesus just to lay hands on him? We'll never know. Um, But Jesus had a plan, obviously. Jesus took him aside in a private, away from the crowd, and put his fingers into his ears, and he spat and touched his tongue. Again, when I read that, I went, ugh, wow. Again, I agreed to preach on this text. Um... (laughs) But I love it because in that moment, Jesus was speaking a language to this man who couldn't hear. So he was speaking in a way that the man could understand. So he put, as he put his fingers into his ears, he looked up to heaven and he sighed and said to him, "Epiphatha," that is be opened. And immediately his ears were opened, his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. Then Jesus ordered them to tell no one. But the more he ordered them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. They were astounded beyond measure, saying, He has done everything well. He even makes the deaf to hear and the mute to speak. This is the word of the Lord. I love that in this passage we see those desires for, for healing. And we're going to look, as I said, at those longings of the soul that God creates and fulfill. There's six core longings that's defined by a counselor guy named Bob Shaw. And I really like these. We won't have time to go into any great depth with any of them um you're welcome to come and chat with me later about these um but i just want us to take a look and begin to consider and begin to really listen to the lord as we talk about these as to what are the longings you may have within your soul we know that these longings are fulfilled in relationship with god and even with one another The longings are, and I will be saying them individually as well, so those that take notes don't feel like you got to go really fast here, significance, safety, purpose, understanding, belonging, and love. We know since the fall that we've tried to fulfill these longings on our own. And we often see that demonstrated in unhealthy relationships. We see that in our relationships with God, with others, through dysfunctional patterns of behavior, through addictions, through isolation, and the list goes on. So as we dive in today to really begin to consider relationship with, with each of these longings and how we tie those into how we interact and interface with God and one another. I think we see in in the accounts that we just read that ultimate connection with relationship. We see the mother coming to Jesus on behalf of her daughter, that desire, wanting something more for her daughter than being possessed by a demon. And we see in scriptures that being possessed by a demon really isn't a pretty thing, is it? I mean, we have other accounts where, you know, they go into convulsions. We, we don't know exactly how the demon um, entered this, this young girl, but we know that the mother was concerned enough to travel to go see Jesus, to ask for, for help. We see that relationship with the townspeople, bringing Jesus, bringing the, the man who was deaf to jesus how often do we encourage one another to be better not for our our own good but for the good of that person and so i think about this this deaf man and think would he have come to jesus or because of the encouragement from the townspeople did he come and receive a healing that I don't know that he even knew was going to happen that day. Because I love the fact that Jesus even took him aside. Which to me talks about relationship as well. Jesus didn't do it in front of everybody. He took this man aside. And to me that's relationship. When somebody can actually say, come over here. I want to pay attention to what your need is and to hear you. That speaks relationship You know, it wasn't like you were in the middle of the atrium and jesus was there and you know Everybody was vying for his attention, but no he said come on over here Let let me understand the need that you have So the the value of relationship We see throughout So the first one the soul longs to be significant Now, we know in the beginning, God said, you are made in the image of him. You're made in the image of God. We are image bearers of God. And we know that Adam and Eve seemed pretty content in the garden. They didn't walk around trying to figure out who they were, trying to do things to make themselves significant. They knew their significance. But we see a quick shift in that, don't we, when sin enters and that sin gets ensconed and shame, Because immediately in that place, the lies of the enemy begin to enter in. And the same is true for us today. Those lies that we wonder that say, I'm unworthy, I'm unlovable, I'm not safe, I'm alone. And the list goes on and on. But those are those lies that impact our soul. That wound our soul, that, that 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 continues to have our soul longing to know are we significant? One of the interesting things in this passage is that the Gentile woman, even though she knew in her order of position as a Gentile, she still came. And part of me wonders because she came because she knew at least the significance of her daughter to her. And she was willing to take a chance to ask Jesus for healing. That's just my interpretation. Um, but when I think about significance, one of the things that I often work with clients, because if you don't feel significant, if you feel insignificant, you believe that your needs are not worthy to be met. And so people don't ask for their needs to be met because they don't think that they have any significance. And so one of the indicators that I often can see in growth in people is being able to ask for what you need. Because you, people do have worth. We all have worth in Christ. And to be able to ask for what we need. So Jesus uses his power and authority in these particular accounts To have physical healing, to cast out a demon. And, but we also see him breaking down the cultural lines of division. You know, this was an opening for Gentiles to suddenly be able not only to be in the presence of Christ, but also to see him beginning to open up the kingdom to them. And we see him breaking down those divisions. Because we know he's come to restore life in the fullest. The second one is our souls long for safety. In environments and relationships. And again, we see in the garden, I think Adam and Eve felt pretty safe. They walked around. They were with Christ. They were with God. And they had right relationship with him. And then in the midst of the fall... Fear enters, and when fear enters, we don 't feel safe anymore and fear really you know kind of is captured well in, in, in the passage in genesis three eight where um, the, it says then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden suddenly. No longer safe in their world or with God or one another. So we see the impact of sin across the board, our relationship with God and our relationship with one another. I also find it interesting that, you know, when we are fearful and we don't feel safe, we will often want to blame one another as to why we're feeling fear. And I love the fact that Adam You know immediately blamed the woman for giving him the fruit of the tree Um, (laughs) So we see in these gospel readings um, That there must have been some sense of safety Because they came to this guy named jesus Who was doing these healings Now as I look in this service in particular I see a lot of folks that I've stood by the bedside and had prayer with before surgery. And almost always I hear about who the doctor is and who's doing the surgery because so-and-so and, so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so also had a knee replacement by this guy or a hip replacement by this guy, right? So there there is a sense of safety in that of like, oh, you know, I, I, I can trust this guy to do what he says he's going to do or this woman to do what what she what she's skilled at. So I find it interesting that there seems to be a sense of safety in coming to Jesus for that healing, that just who he is radiated out a place of safety. I love the fact that the Gentile woman, again, comes to him. Somehow she had to know, you know, he was a Jew, right? And here she comes as this Gentile. But not only did she humble herself before him, which is often, you don't usually humble yourself before, before someone unless you feel safe. But also when he kind of pushed back upon her request, she felt safe enough to take it the next step. Again, if you don't feel safe with people, you usually don't do a little challenge there. You usually retreat and say, okay, well, I thought I would try. But no, she felt safe enough to ask for what she needed for her daughter. So where are you longing for safety in your life? And we know that safety can be found in God. You know, his word, his promises are true. That he will never leave us or forsake us. That he is always there. He is always present. Being able to rest in that place of safety. Our souls long for purpose. As humans, we desire to know our purpose. And in the beginning, again, purpose was made very clear. Dominion and be fruitful. And I think we need to, to understand and realize that all of us have that desire to make a difference in the world. Something beyond ourselves. And we are given some instructions in the New Testament, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. I think that's purpose. That's a pretty big purpose. To go and make disciples. To instruct others. That's a pretty big purpose. But I think we sometimes get kind of caught up in that and say, well, I want to know exactly what that means. What does that look like? And again, this could be a whole sermon. But what I would encourage you to do is to really, one, to be asking the Lord, what is it that you have for me today to do? Keeping those overarching purposes in mind at all times because if we continue to keep our eyes fixed on jesus and we know we have the holy spirit that empowers us for his purposes we really can't go wrong right and i find it interesting and this is just how my brain works i find it interesting that you know here's this woman that goes to jesus here's these townspeople bringing the deaf man to to jesus you know Did God prompt them to do that? Was it just out of desperation? I mean, what was it that said, I'm going to go to Jesus today and ask him to cast the demon out of my daughter? But when we think about the fact that they, she took that step, that mother took that step, can you imagine what the dinner conversation was that night around the table? You know, she comes home. And here is her daughter, who has been inflicted with a demon, is now free. Can you imagine the impact that that had on the community as a whole? Spreading this, this good news in a pagan world. So one act of this mother changed generations. And so, again, don't, don't miss what God is doing in your life and the impact. Because you never know what's going to result if, in knowing that God is with you. Usually good things. Our soul longs for understanding. Who gets me? Who understands me? We know, again, in the beginning as image bearers of God, they were, you know, Adam and Eve were created in His image. He got them, they got Him. There was an unbroken understanding of who God was and that there was this perfect untainted relationship with Him. So there was no separation. They got each other. And today in our brokenness, We long to be known. And we long to know one another. It's probably one of the biggest things I see in the counseling room today or in in our listening rooms today. That people need to be known. They need to know that what they feel, what they experience, what they think is understood. And... Again, I'd, I I think that, you know, as I think about the deaf man coming, coming to Jesus, as I said, that God got him. Jesus got him. He knew that he, you know, if he stood there and, and prayed, the guy couldn't hear him. He was deaf. So Jesus acted out what he was going to do. He stuck his fingers in his ears. He spat on his tongue to let him know, man, I'm praying about your tongue to be loosened to be free, to be released. So I just love the fact that there is such value in knowing that God understands us. But there's also value in relationship amongst one another to be understood. And I think that's, that's that role of empathy. Empathy is defined as accurate understanding, to be able to communicate accurate understanding. And how often do we slow down enough to listen to one another to truly understand one another. It's interesting in, in the world of counseling that you know I've been doing it so long now that I love having students because they come in and teach me new theories and new techniques. Because um, back in back in my day we did a lot of person centered counseling, meaning we focused on that warmth, empathy and respect for our client. And meeting them where they were at. And walking alongside. And it's interesting. I just had a student come to me. Who very much is a person-centered counselor. And she said. I just read the greatest book. She said it's recently published. And it says that person-centered therapy. Is still the most effective therapy out there. And I said. You're right. It totally is. And. And so again, I think it speaks to the longing that we have within ourselves to be understood and to have people understand us. So to be able to recognize that we can be understood. Our soul longs for belonging to someone or something. I used to use the example when I taught counseling students to illustrate that need for belonging, that need to belong that I can use with this group that, you know, when Norm walked into the bar and everybody said, what? Hey, Norm, everybody knew his name, right? Are you guys with me? The show Cheers, do you remember this? Okay, because I used to use it on the younger students and I had to change my examples. Um, But it gives that sense of belonging, you know, because we all want to know that we belong, well, isn't it nice to be able to walk in somewhere and know this person knows me? You know, when we walk into a room, we scan the room. Who do we know? We want to feel a sense of belonging. And ultimately we want to know that we, we belong to Christ, to God. And I love the fact that the Gentile woman knew I think that she, you know, I mean, she knew she belonged to the Gentile race, right? She didn't make herself look better or, or worse in hopes that Jesus would bring healing to her daughter. She knew who she belonged to, but, you know, again, my, my, my imagination, my wondering is, did she also know somewhere deep down inside, because that's a longing that's put in all of us, regardless of race or what group, ethnic group we belong to that we belong to god that he created us for connection with him and finally our soul longs for love from god and one to another and jesus shows his love throughout the gospels of his compassion of healing and also speaking words of truth and speaking those words of truth also brings healing And we know ultimately that his love for us on the cross, taking on our sin so that we could walk in right relationship with him. So this morning, we'll have an opportunity here in just a little bit to have that time of prayer, that time of reflection. And that we can consider where is our soul longing is that in significance and safety and purpose and understanding and belonging and love. Where is our soul longing? And I invite you to have him, have him speak to you about where is my soul longing? Where are those places where I'm reaching out to the things of this world that never bring fulfillment? but usually causes more destruction in our lives. And then as, as the prayer stations are available to you, feel free to come. They can pray with you about that soul longing. Or if you want to come on behalf of someone else, as we see illustrated in, in the accounts today of people coming for their soul longings, And maybe even seek to to ask God, what is this person that I'm asking for prayer for? What is their soul longing? What is their pain that they're trying to maybe fill it with other things as well? God knows your soul longings and he wants to fulfill them. Will you pray with me?